This is a presentation of Manbreed. 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 Hello and welcome to Manbreed Live, where we believe that to understand a man is to acknowledge all men. Uh, we're here week, this week with another exciting broadcast, and we have with us none other than Dr. Thurman Webb, Mr. Reeve Brand, the black man himself. Yeah. Dr. Webb, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited. You know, uh, anytime we get together and we're able to break bread and, and, and provide some insight on topics, I'm always excited about getting in that space. And as, you, as usual, you know, we bring our resident street therapist to the table, Mr. Orlando Boyd, and we'll be doing that later on in the program. But I'm going to throw it back to you to introduce our guest this week. Definitely, definitely. And as you said, Orlando will be joining us uh, shortly. Uh, today we have a very special guest, and we're talking about mental health and relationships and what that means. And so our guest today is the author, actually, of four books. Uh, one of them is entitled, her first book, Overcoming Me. And then she did a special edition over, I mean, Overcoming, yeah, Overcoming Me. The special edition was entitled Over Me. And then she's just released Overcoming You. Uh, mm. and she has another book, which will be coming called The Planner and the Plumber. She is the director of the Women's Center at Tennessee State University. Uh, put your hands together. Welcome to the Man Breeze Circle. See Ann Wilson. How you doing, Miss Wilson? That's right. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you joining us for, for, for this uh, important uh, conversation. It's something I wanted to talk about for a while since we started, but we had to kind of weave it in in the midst of uh, so many things happening because as everyone knows, we're in the midst of a health pandemic. And one of the things that's key during this time for people, not only in relationships, but in general, right. is mental health. Uh, and so we, we tend to talk about relationships on this podcast. So I'm going to start out by tossing a question to uh, Dr. Webb. Uh, Dr. Webb, uh, this pandemic, uh, just, in, just in terms of uh, generalities now, uh, what are some of the things we need to be doing during this time to protect our mental health just in general? You know, that's a, that's a loaded question. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people are grasping at a lot of straws because they are feeling pressure and stress that they necessarily haven't felt. And for all practical reasons, those that preceded us haven't felt this type of pressure also. So that, that presents an interesting dynamic because we don't have a reference point for how or what the sequence or the set of resources are in order to mentally manage these types of moments. That's not to say that us as people of color have not had stressful moments with, throughout history, mm -hmm. but it has not looked like this. And uh, it has not looked like this during this time. Right. So um, we necessarily, uh, we're, we're, everybody's playing catch up and everybody is uh, creating new. And anytime that you create new, um, it is a trial and error process to some degree. And then we have to make sure that that is applicable uh, to everyone, which means we have to make sure that it's equitable and not necessarily equal. Mm -hmm. And so those type of variables makes this a very complex, not complicated, but a very complex uh, situation to manage. And so like you see individuals who uh, seem to be struggling with that. I tell uh, a lot of my clients all the time, a lot of my mentees, my students, those who have a tendency to have a high probability to work through this are the individuals who allow their minds to accept that this is real and this is the moment. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like the moment. However, um, you don't want to spend your time and your dialogue caught up into, I can't believe this. You know, go ahead and accept it. Go ahead and swallow it. And let's go ahead and start building a plan to manage the moment and manage our expectations and build solutions for those things that we can impact. That's great. That, that's great insight, you know, for all of us, because accepting it in no matter what the issues is, is over half the battle, I, you know, as I understand. Yeah. And yeah. Ms. Wilson, I know you deal uh, with a lot of young ladies being over the Women's Center. And even though, you know, we were coming through the summer and out of it into the new year, uh, what are some of the things that, that, you know, you suggest for just people in general, but particularly women as they kind of deal with this 
a new situation we find ourselves in. So everyone keeps talking about, um, you know, this new system that we're in, uh, the new normal, and this is not normal. Correct. So I tell people, don't, I'm not going to accept this as normal. It is not normal, but it's where we are at. This is where we are. And so we need to operate in the real world. And part of being in the real world is that you accept that one, we were hit by a major tornado. Yeah. And before we could even get over the tornado, we're in COVID. And so I think that it knocked everybody to their knees. And now we're trying to adapt and readjust to the fact that one, we've lost our homes. People have lost their jobs. They've lost family and friends in the tornado. And then before you can recover, we're losing thousands of our family and friends again to COVID. So, and I think a part of what I'm seeing with the young people is they thought those of us who are Christians, that God wouldn't let this happen to Christian people. Mm-hmm. And so then we, <laughs> lo- we lost Troy Sneed. And then we heard that uh, Tom Hanks and his wife had COVID and on and on. And it's like, this, this is real for, I see these people on TV and then it hits people we know. And so for me, um, I know Darius Settles who just passed of COVID just two weeks ago. Now that's in my church. That's in my circle. And so for young people thinking that because they are age 18 to 35, I won't get it. Or those people that I love won't get it. And now it's in our circle and you have to adapt to that. You have to adjust to the fact that you may not be able to go to the hospital to see your loved ones. You may not even be able to go to their funeral. And you know how we as black people are, we all go to the funeral and we're definitely going to the repast, right? That's right. That's right. So now it's like, whoa, my mind and we're overwhelmed with emotions. And so for women, we're emotional people, so we're kind of used to dealing with this. But how are you men? Because you all don't like to show your feelings. You don't want to show that this hurts. You don't want to show that it has affected you. I'm a man. I'm strong. You know, I've got to take care of these women in my life. But now we all, the reality is we have to embrace the feeling of pain. We have to embrace the feeling of depression and anxiety and the where, where are we going? What are we doing? We haven't worked all summer. People have been furloughed. My mother's not working. My father's not working. I'm not working. What do I do? And so I think the first thing we should do is talk about it. The first part of healing and deliverance is communication. And so I think we as a people, if we start talking about, hey, you know, I, I'm, I feel hurt. My grandmother just passed and I wasn't able to go. Or I feel hurt. You all want me to come back to school, but I don't have any money. Or my parents yeah. don't have the money to eat. So all of us need to start talking more I think and embracing our feelings. I think that's great because, you know, I look at, for instance, I think both of you all know my father passed uh, in May, in late May. And so, you know, I've been going back and forth in Mississippi, handling a lot of his business. And then as you stated about home goings, you know, we had to make things like kind of quick and we couldn't see other people because we live in what's a hot spot. So pick out a suit, then go by and view his body and all this expeditiously, right? At the same time, try best to honor him. So we had a viewing but, you know, we weren't there because we didn't want people to stop and start congregating. We want everything to pass through. Then we did a private burial uh, so that, you know, again, there wasn't all these people congregating because we didn't want uh, to put people in harm's way or to be in harm's way because this thing is still so like, what is it? Uh, and having said all that, you know, while I flowed through that and I pretty much continue to flow because I went through a lot while my father was living because right. of the kaleidoscope of his health. Uh, still, I can see like in moment in quiet moments where I might would call him. Now, you know, I'm I'm hollering at my brother or sister, mm-hmm. and who may not be as accessible. So I can see where you know that 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 uh that place of refuge in terms of another human being is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, it is something to process. Uh, and, and so we're, we're talking about you know, processing all those things, but also we're looking at the landscape in particular on this show 
of mental health too and relationships that may have romantic overtones. Mm -hmm. So we kind of want to talk, we want to talk about and get started that way. Okay. We want to talk about too mental health and really mental illness too and how that impacts relationships. And one of the reasons we wanted to invite you on, uh, uh, Ms. Wilson, is because your, your books have been doing really well. You've been kind of making the media circuit, you know, talking about, you talked about overcoming me, but now, you know, overcoming you. Yes. And I know you dealt in your first book about, you know, being diagnosed as bipolar and, and how that impacted your life. Could you uh, just talk a little bit about your story and how you dealt with that and how it's impacted your relationship? So I'm, for clarification, I'm going to say that you said I was bipolar. I thought you no, you. <laughs> no, I had de- <laughs> I had depression and anxiety, oh, and it's okay. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm bipolar. That. No, you, yeah. you, told, you told me that in conversation. <laughs> you know, it's how me and you we flow like that. We got it like that. <laughs> but listen, no, no, actually, I'm OCD. Truthfully and transparently, I do have <laughs> this. OCD moments where uh, the way that I deal with not being able to control my environment, my household has to be set. If you came to my house now and looked, my clothes are lined up in order of color. Everything on tables is lined up. And I know when people come in my home. Yeah. If anything is different, if you came and you move a book, I'm like, who put that book there? I didn't do that. And that's how I deal with issues. Because the only thing I know that I can control right now, I can't control COVID, can't control the tornado. I can't control either of you. But in this house, I can control this. Now for relationships, and I am dating. So, well, first of all, the stress of dating is you can't touch one another. You can't kiss one another if we're going to keep it real. You know, how long we going to hold hands? Yeah. So, and you want to get to know one another. And in a standard relationship, we're touchy-feely people. Black people like to touch. And I spoke um, in another uh, conversation and said, babies need that touch. Immediately after being born, if you don't start touching that baby, the baby begins to have issues. And we can research that and prove that touch is significant. So right now, Um, We're all afraid. I don't know if you've got it. You don't know if I've got it. So we're wearing the mask. We're supposed to be six feet. And is it airborne? Is it through touch? You know, we're all still trying to figure all of that out. So in my being in a relationship and just dating, can we go out to eat? Because if we go out to eat, I see what's happening on Broadway. So we can't do that. Uh, We can't go to the park. The parks are closed. What can we do? And that's what the young people at uh, Tennessee State University are saying. Miss Wilson, when we come back, can we? Nope, you can't do that. You got to wear a mask. You got to be six feet apart. They're used to stepping and strolling. They're used to holding hands, getting together in the student center. And so they said, well, can we get together and congregate six feet apart? Social distance style. So this is new for us. And I don't think at any university in Nashville or elsewhere, are they going to do it? I don't believe people aren't going to touch. I think that what's going to happen is, and I've heard people say, if I live, I live. And if I die, I die. Now me, I'm staying in my house. I like the fact that you didn't invite me to come to where you are and that we still can have this conversation, but it makes it really stressful and hard on a relationship because most relationships you spend time together, not on a Zoom call. This is not, how can we become intimate? How can we get closer on a Zoom? And I actually would say that we can because it's not about for me just touching, but me getting to know you better, finding out about who you are. And I asked some students, I said, who are you? Oh, I'm C.M. Wilson. And I said, okay, well, who are you? Tell me about C.N. Wilson. And they couldn't tell me because they didn't know who they were. So I said, well, ask me. So they said, well, who are you? I said, I'm C.N. Wilson. I'm a queen. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a director. I'm an author. I'm a mother, a sister. I'm an aunt. 
I said, so when you start thinking about who you really are, if you know who you are, you won't fall for anything. And so when I'm talking to a man, if a man, if I'm on a Zoom, let's just say Mr. Webb and I, we're trying to get to know one another. If we, and you know how we used to do on the phone, we stay on the phone till we fell asleep. That's right. You know, and talk all night. Quiet storm playing in the background. You went way back. You know, quiet storm playing in the background, Mike. You know what it is. Making sure your mama don't pick up the other line. Hang up real quick. If anybody pick up, just hang up. Exactly. Got a little new addition playing. That's what I had. There you go. There you go. But this new millennial doesn't know how to do that. See, we know how to do that. Maybe we need to teach a class on how to. There you go. There you go. Okay, so so first of all, Ms. Wilson, we do play a lot when we're not on the show. So, but I want to apologize because I went on information you gave me when you were probably playing. Uh, but I do know that you know a lot of your book deals with mental health, and so you really touched on a lot of great things there, Doc. Because she was talking about uh, getting back to Dr. Webb, she was talking about you know dating during this period. I mean, what 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 does that look like? Because yeah, uh, you know, if I don't know you. Can I get to know you? And I think she's saying yes through this, but not like for real, for real, for real, as it relates to intimacy, as it relates to space and touch. Talk about, you know, dating during this period and how, you know, what's functional and possible. You know, I, I really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same cloth that, that, that she is speaking of. And it is the fact that this situation, I think that within devastation is always opportunity. Within crisis, there's always opportunity. And what we are seeing now is that this is a byproduct of not necessarily the quantity of which one may have a conversation, but the quality of that conversation. And so what we also find is that when we take sex and we take, uh, you know, all of those physical, fleshly uh, type of interactions off the table, then it forces people to have to bring something of substance to the table. Come on. And if they have not nurtured those things, if they have not grown those things, if they have not tailored or or filtered their past experience to create this lesson that is nurturing them in this moment Mm -hmm. of solitude, then what you end up with is someone who is very bland, Mm -hmm. right? They have no seasoning to their personality or their character, for lack of a better term, right? And so people are searching for flavor in other people but the problem is it becomes very problematic when you are searching for something that you don't have yourself. Wow. So in the event that you encounter that issue, you're going to fumble it anyway because you don't know what it means or you don't understand a responsibility in having something of that substance. So, you know, people are struggling with that right now and they really want to, to wrap their heads around it, but they're spending too much time not believing this is real. And you see that if they don't have some sort of internal value, uh, they've been trying to adorn themselves with external value. And in a place where you cannot necessarily do that because you should be trapped in the house, they, they, the best thing that they can do is wrap their minds around the idea that this may not be as serious as people is, are making it or that this is not real because they have to put themselves in that place in order to cope with the issue. So there was this opportunity where people had to increase their intelligence to understand issues. But we're in a climate right now where people will dumb themselves down to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And so, you know, we we have to be cognizant of that. Um, We have to really combat that with conversations like these, with Sian Wilson and her insight, you know, and, and, you know, we, we talk amongst ourselves as a crew here at Man Breed because it takes these type of critical conversations in order to bring progressive knowledge to the table. Traditions uh, are simply a historical reference that something historically worked, but that does not mean that it will work now, right? It is just a reference that that did work then. And so we ought to use tradition in order to inform our present in order to make the future brighter. And I say that all the time, you know, that's, that's the simple principle of Sankofa. Like, what are we doing in this equation in order to make the future better? Yeah, Doc, you know, you, uh, one thing you always say is that, you know, it, it really comes down to your relationship with yourself. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that that kind of keys into on um, Miss Wilson's books. I know, mean, you know, like you, you wrote the book Overcoming Me uh, and then you start dealing with Overcoming You. I mean, 
how how does this, Miss Wilson, tie into what you're talking about and in, in, in what you've written as it relates to kind of like building a better relationship mm-hmm. with yourself in order to whether it's a pandemic or not have a whole or at least healthy relationship. So for overcoming me, I really wanted to, when I found out that I had these issues and we all know that hurt people hurt other people, right? So I just had a cycle of hurting people. And um, when I went to a conference and the woman that was, uh, she was one of the speakers, I think there were three or four, and she talked about being raped. She said, I don't often share this, but I was raped when I was whatever age. Well, that had happened to me. I had been molested at the age of 10. I didn't want to share with my mother. I didn't want to share with my family, my grandmother, my grandparents, because I knew that they would kill the person, not literally, but figuratively. It was going to tear up. Uh, this person was not only a church member, they were a family member. Mm-hmm. So I suppressed that for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now in suppressing it, it was still there and it was still eating away at me. So what you have to do when you have hurts like that, you have to go and get some help. So I, somewhere in the course of me going through divorce, I found a therapist because I knew I could not, and, and I believe in God, and I would say, I need some help. Something's wrong. And they were like, just go to the altar. I, well, when I figured out after the 20th time at the altar that I needed God and a therapist because sure. the good Lord helps those who help themselves, right? So in having, talking with the therapist and in writing and journaling, I would, took a, um, I think I might've told you or you might've seen it in the book. I went to a class entitled Making Peace With Your Past. And in my making peace and journaling, I had to deal with hurts from my father not being in my life, hurts from my mother not sharing what was really going on, hurts from other family situations. And when I started dealing with all of that, then I had to also deal with the parts that I played. And so I want to go back to the relationship and what Dr. Webb said, my good friend, about surface. We do not want to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And so in order not to be hurt, we have surface relationships. See, if I really let you in, I have to open myself up and be vulnerable and transparent. And most of us don't want to be vulnerable and transparent because it's hard. It's not easy to say, oh, hey, I have this problem. I'm bipolar or I'm schizophrenic. I have depression and anxiety because then you might pull away from me. And what we really hate is rejection. So if I have a surface uh, relationship with you and a surface relationship with you that I could keep moving, I'm in and out. I'm not really giving you anything of substance, but Mm -hmm. if I really want to get to know you truly, then I will open myself up. Not all the way. Don't, we can't tell it all. I keep telling people, don't tell all your business. You don't <laughs> no. even know I'm like that. <laughs> Let's start slow, a little bit here, a little bit there, line up online, precept right. upon no, no. precept. But yes, it's it's a surface relationship. And many of us, when we're watching reality TV, that is surface. That's not yeah. a real relationship. Yeah. And I'm it's funny, that, yeah. that some, something that you said, you know, you're right, hurt people hurt people, right? But the, the extension to that same statement is that hurt people hurt people, but hurt people are the hardest to lead because foundational trust has been damaged in some shape, form, or fashion. And so it's not as easy to, to, to get a hurt person to a place of healing because yes. trust is a key process in the healing in a, or the therapeutic interaction. And so hurt people can be very, very hard to lead. I and mean, I'm just echoing uh, what Ms. Wilson was saying, that um, healing, healing of self is such a, a, a very intricate and an intimate journey, all its own. Because no matter what has happened to you, no matter what anybody has done to you, and it may not necessarily have been your fault, at the end of the day, it's still your responsibility to fix you. And do you know where the greatest ministry and testimony comes? On that note, I was talking to the new freshman class at TSU, and it fell upon me to be transparent with them. I said, hello, my name is, and I knew this was going to happen. 
I had already decided to give a scholarship, but I was really going to be creative how I gave it. So I said, I told them my name. I'm C.N. Wilson. I'm the Women's Center Director. My office is by the bookstore. And they were all on their phone. They weren't listening to me. They were just, I'm just talking. And I said, and I was molested when I was 10 by a family member who was also a church member. And everybody put their phones down. And I began to share. I said, and I carried that wound because I trusted that person and believed in that person and looked up to that person. And when that person hurt me, I was then damaged. I'm damaged. I'm hurt. I'm broken. And I'm revealing that to them. And I said, and if any of you, and I went on with other things too, the Women's Center, we do, we paint. And we color, we color outside the lines, in the lines, and we go to, to making strides for breast cancer. I just went on with what all the Women's Center did. But what impacted them the most was me sharing that I was broken and wounded and I had to go seek help. Immediately after that conversation with the freshman class, about 40 students came and said, you know, my uncle or my neighbor down the street I need to talk to you more. Now that's not, I'm not a healer, I'm not a counselor. So I had to then bring in the counseling center. I'm a resource for people. So don't try to fix people when you're not qualified. If you're not a therapist, stay in your lane. My lane is women's center and resources. I can't be Dr. Webb, I can't be you. I can't be Miss, we actually have a director of the counseling center. I refer all broken and hurt people to her. That's what she's certified for. But what I can do is listen. Yeah. I talk about, yeah. that, uh, you know, not as it relates to uh, uh, what Miss Wilson's talking about in general, in terms of like the abuse and how that impacts you in your life, but also how it plays out in terms of relationships, you know, in terms of like when one or both, I guess. Uh, both possibly. Uh, have, you know, possibly been like molested or raped and which, you know, can be the same or abused. Domestic yeah. violence. I about to say, and, and those, those, those are by far uh, examples and indicators of abuse. But there are other abuses that are present that are not necessarily as bold as molestation, as physical abuse. Um, and you know, I think it's great that we're talking about this, especially right now in a pandemic, because some people are trapped uh, in the home or in confined spaces with their abuser. Yes. And they are not able to find relief or refuge, uh, whether it be school or whether it be church or some other community organization. You know, that's why those places are so important. Because not every abuse is as pronounced as physical or sexual. There are micro forms of abuse that people need relief from on a daily basis. And they actually enjoy going to work. And they actually enjoy going to school. Because those are the places that they can be at peace Mm -hmm. and just do their job. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what we know is that... um, when they are trapped in spaces with their abuser, they're less likely to be able to report out that it's even happening. Mm -hmm. And so there's still a huge number of people who are in situations that we may not know anything about at this moment that we may find out later or after the fact that this in in case, in, in fact, has been going on. So I'm constantly sending energy. I'm constantly meditating. Uh, to emit a positive energy. I'm constantly praying for those individuals in those types of situations. And I say it in all three of those modes to make sure that I cover that I am ultimately sending my goodwill and concern for those who are in need. Yes. And I encourage everyone else to do that. The, the pandemic, and we see even in relationships that we thought were functioning, the pandemic has caused those to be broken. Mm-hmm. Individuals are looking over here, they're looking at each other, they're stuck in the same house, they notice that they don't have the quality nutrients necessary to make that thing go, and they're saying, you know what, I'm tired of you. And I'm not, no judgment about that. I want everybody to be in a place where they're happy, that they feel nourished, and they feel like they're invested, and they can tr- contribute to a, a union. However, to avoid that, 
I think people have to change their mindset about what a relationship is really all about. Mm-hmm. And at the core, you know, people, I, I was just in a, 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 another conversation. When it comes to relationships, I think young people, from my experience, from my practice, they do not understand commitment. Mm-hmm. They don't understand commitment in relationship. Mm-hmm. They don't understand commitment outside of relationship. They don't understand personal commitment. They don't understand collective commitment. They don't understand academic commitment. They don't understand commitment. Because we have not taught them. And a lot of times we say they don't, they don't, they can't, they can't. And that's true. But I, unfortunately, I blame our parents and our grandparents because they kept everything to themselves. And you didn't hear our elders talk about being abused or being in a a relationship that they hated. They just dealt with it. And so I didn't know that my grandmother and grandfather had issues until he was gone and she started sharing. I knew about my mother because he showed it openly, but the public didn't see it. It stayed within our house. So our house was broken and dysfunctional because we hid it. And, but when we got out in front of people, when we got to church, we were smiling and happy and, you know, and clapping in church and praise the Lord. But when we got back home, it was a different story. And you, Dr. Webb, I have to jump on what you just said. Students aren't really excited about coming back to school. They have been stuck with their parents or guardians all summer. And it's time to get the heck up out of here. I'm going to Vanderbilt, Belmont, TSU. Where I'm free. I don't have to wash no dishes. I don't have to hear my mama's mouth. I'm yes. good. I am free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. And, and husbands and wives, typically we're all at work and yeah. we spend more time at work or school than we do at home. But mm-hmm. now I'm with you and I don't even like you for 24 hours. And so then it comes to a head and we're like, oh my God. And we've been doing it four months now. And so, as you said, the abuse now Oh, it's epic. It's, it's at its tip. It's ready to blow off if it hasn't already because now I already didn't want to deal with you. I, I see you at night. We go to bed, get up in the morning, kiss you goodbye, and it's over. But now I'm dealing with you day and night, and we're not talking. We're not communicating about what the problem is. Yeah, now I'm denying your existence, and that is its own form of abuse, right? Indeed. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk some more about this commitment and talk more about mental health and relationships during COVID-19. You're listening to Man Breed Live, where we believe that to understand a man is to acknowledge back with more Man Breed Live, uh, where we believe that to understand a man is to acknowledge all men. I'm Michael Diallo McClendon, joined with Dr. Thurman Webb, as usual, and our special guest, Ms. Sian Wilson, who is the author of Overcoming Me, uh, Over Me, the special edition, as well as Overcoming You, her latest book, and then she'll be coming out with The Planner and The Plumber uh, sometime in the near future. And we were talking about relationships and mental health during this pandemic and uh, the dynamics of the way things are. And Ms. Wilson, uh, you started talking about uh, the role that women play uh, in relationships. Talk about some of that, about how the dynamics are playing out in relationships these days, as you, as you see. Mm-hmm. So what I determined about myself, I didn't have my father in my life. And so when men came into my life, I latched onto them too mm-hmm. soon. Instead of allowing the relationship to go slow and to get to know one another, I'm immediately in love. And we, as I said earlier, women are emotional and men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And so we want to have love, but there's a way to do that. And so with men, you all think about it, you know, and you, you get invested, but not quite as fast as we do. And what I found with the young ladies is they give everything. You meet the man and the next week you're in love and you're ready to move in. And that's not 
how a relationship should be. You've already invested. You, uh, I, I do a series at Tennessee State University and also in my own personal women's conference. Don't be a wife to a boyfriend. You sleeping with him. You're cooking for him. You're doing his laundry. You just met him last week. So I feel that if you could, you all could give more to us as far as communication and say, hey, CN, I like you, but let's give it six months. But you all are like, I don't have to give her all of that. You know, I just wanted to take you on a date. I'm not trying to get married. So how is it that we can fix relationships, men and women, where we give less and you all maybe give a little bit more? Is that possible? I mean, we got to we got the love doctor with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we came to the hey, right look, place. Hey, 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 I, I, hey, she's right on time, right? I, I've been wanting to talk about this, and I, I think it is possible. Um, and, and I don't mean to make a statement that is exhaustive of all women, and I don't want mean to make a statement that is exhaustive of all, all, all men. However, from my practice and from my experience and the conversations that I have with college students as well, um, what I am seeing is an uptick or a, uh, they don't understand that they are codependents and they don't understand how that codependency is informing the decisions that they make. And too often uh, they have put the value on themselves that someone else has said, Hey, you, that's, that's where your value lies. And they think that it lies in between their thighs, to be honest. Right. Or they think that it relies in their touch. And the value of a person, like I said, if you take that off the table, what do you have to bring to the table is the question. And so uh, I see a lot of men, young men and young women who are simply trying to feel what this idea of love through sexual interaction or intimate affection as, as it pertains to touch. And that could be uh, very difficult for them to interpret intimacy because they only it's, they think intimacy is this monolithic experience and it's not intimacy is a byproduct of everything that happens before that interaction yes sir and so it it is it, it is a it is intimacy is a connection a mindset connection a synchronization between you and someone else that allows the, these underlying or subliminal communication or messages to happen between you and you and that person. Intimacy is is where uh, we st we understand how to create happiness, right? I can make you smile and I can make you laugh, but I cannot make you happy. Mm. So, like I, you know, what I'm saying like I have to make me happy. Yes. And the more I understand how to make myself happy, maybe I demonstrate that to you and the more you understand that but love is not give and take because the minute that i have to take it is the minute it'll stop being love love is give and receive because if i give it then i, I give it with no contingencies because that's what i want to do because i am in control of me and if i open my arms up to receive what you want to give me because i've dictated that i only want to receive love you chose you, you decide you want to give me that now we're free, free flowing and we start to, to build the intimacy through that type of, of connection between one another. So th it, this is, it, is, it, is, it is very deep. It is, it, is, it is a spiritual process. It is an intimate process. It is a social, social process. It is a cognitive process because this controls everything below it. Indeed. And so we, we have to make sure that we are teaching the tools and the principles necessary for young people. Heck, for that matter, Mike, man, and CN, we have to teach grown folks too. Yes. They didn't yeah. get it either. No doubt about yes. that. And I think what I hear both of y'all saying is that really this pandemic is creating an opportunity to create foundations for more functional relationships than, than we often kind of delve into if it were not. If we were not in a situation, we might just you know because codependency is basically you telling like you can't be in a relationship with yourself so you go be in a relationship with somebody else mm -hmm. to well, avoid the relationship with yourself mm -hmm. right so like that which means like like cn's book was talking about like i got to i got to get this relationship with me and myself together mm -hmm. i got to conquer me 
And then I can worry about you. Why? Right. Because everything to, to me has to be approved. I have to stamp it. I have to teach people how to interact with me. And if I don't like being around myself, how can I expect anybody else to like it? And if you don't love yourself, how can you love a man? And Correct. I hear women tell time, I love him, Miss Wilson. Boo, you don't even love you. How right. in the world can you love another person? I don't care if it's a dog or a cat. And you can't love yourself. And it starts with ourselves, as you just said, and in the book, when I realized I didn't love myself, I couldn't love my ex-husband the way he needed me to love him because I was already missing pieces in me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm empty and if I'm not whole, I can't bring that to a relationship. And I've heard men time after time say they are attracted to women who have it together, women who know who they are, who are professional, who are not waiting on a man, moving forward in their lives. Uh, I had a young man say that. He said, she is so attractive. And I said, what's attractive about her? He said, she's got her own thing going on and she doesn't need me. Yeah. yeah. What I hear you all circling back to, which is what I want to circle back to, is this idea of uh, commitment, too, because as you're saying, you know, like having something going on means you're committed to something. Uh, and not only, you know, has commitment probably waned with this generation, I know you can look at, at our generation and say, for instance, you know, my parents, like my mother was a guidance counselor for like 30 years at the same place. My father took at the same place for like 30 years, even though the in our generation, it's been like you know, like sometimes three, four years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering, get, circling back around to commitment, what are some of the, the, the exercises or tools or things that we can talk about so that be the person young, our age, or even more seasoned, uh, can do to kind of help develop this commitment muscle? Because it might not be that they don't want to be committed. How to be committed? Person oh, has to man. be taught. Oh, 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 hold on! Before, oh, before we go, <laughs> we have been joined <laughs> by the street therapist, Orlando. The one Boy. and only Orlando Boy, <laughs> and in charge. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, sir. Hey, <laughs> hey, if he ain't signed the check, it ain't gonna go through. <laughs> No star, no won't be none. <laughs> <laughs> Listen in. We didn't want to say anything. Plantation. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We've been talking about <laughs> health and relationships, uh, Mr. Boyd, uh, and we were talking about commitment, and uh, we've been having this conversation about the fact that, like, a lot of people, particularly young people, you know, don't know what it means to be committed in or out of a relationship. And we talk about the fact that, hey, even in our uh, age group people's jobs and things they shift. Commitment is not like it used to be for our parents. So so my question that I just posed was, you know, how does one develop like that commitment muscle or how can I learn to be, if I want to be, but just haven't been committed, you know, in things in my past. So I was going to start with Dr. Webb, but if you want to go ahead and chime in, Mr. Board, that is fine. No, well, like I said, I, I want to catch, get back up to speed, but that is a good point because I think young people have a lot of different values than uh, some of older uh, generations and things like that, and does translate into relationship issues, and what the, where that's taught from, and where there's you know things they see, they everything seems to be very transactional, and that goes along the lines with relationships as well. So, but uh, yeah, let me let me get caught back up on everything, what how everybody, what the temperature is in the room, and then I'll definitely be able to jump in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I have yeah. a question for you, gentlemen. All yeah. three of you. Why is it that men, not all men, but why can you not tell a woman you don't like her or you're not interested? And I ask that question because women tell me quite often, I thought he liked me or I thought we were on the same path. And then when I talk to the young men, well, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. It, you know that you know you don't like her. And it's, it, you're hurting a woman more when you're not just transparent and honest and direct and say, I like you as a person, but I'm just not feeling what, you know, I'm feeling like I just want to be friends with you. Let's not keep this going six months. If you know within the week or within 30 days, she's not the one, 
why can men not just say that? Can somebody answer that question? I mean, from 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 my experience, uh, uh, I've had gentlemen and women that fall in both categories. They've said it and they've not said it. And uh, I think that in those situations, from it's just my experience mm -hmm. that it's really not about a relationship. It's about that ownership, that possession. Mm -hmm. And so when a young man tells a young lady. Hey, look, I, you cool. I'm not interested, this, that, and the other. That's the very thing that he shouldn't have done because now she's kicking it in overdrive to change his mind, right? Like she doesn't want to accept that because uh, in some shape, form, or fashion, it, it counts as a loss in her head and or, or, or a problem she has to rectify. And I've seen the same thing happen to me and also. Like he, he wants to go even harder because one has said that. And then in other relationships, you know, I don't, even put that variable on the table, Ms. Wilson, because you would be asking an immature person to, to make a mature decision. So and that's a little think. dysfunctional. It's a little <laughs> dysfunctional when, if you if you told me, if you and I are in a relationship, and if you say, well, CN, you know, I like you, I think we're going to be great friends, but I don't see us moving forward towards a love relationship. For me to take that to chase you longer makes me dysfunctional. There's something could, could missing. Be. Could be some, but some of our grandparents yeah. are together because of that same premise. True. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. She didn't like your granddaddy. However, yeah. your granddaddy didn't stop. <laughs> and, and eight kids yeah. later, you, you know, <laughs> there yeah. go your mama. Now. Yeah. But I also say, though, like I said, the personality type would dictate on how the guy communicates to his, his girl or in the situation that you just described. Typically, because if and we've said we've kind of covered this ground before uh, that and, we're, and maybe maybe not on man Bree yet. we got an upcoming episode talking about that when we talk yeah, about yeah. love lives and in that we talk about that if a man really cares for you he's going to protect your feelings and so even though that you may be wanting that tr that truth that truth he knows that truth is going to hurt you pretty bad so he's going to hold off on telling that truth and he could be waiting on maybe seeing that if there will be some changes or something like that Mm. Because trust me, if he wanted to let you go, he would say it. He he may say it in a different ways. Sometimes maybe nonverbal through his actions. But if you are not able to understand or translate what he's saying verbally or nonverbally, then that in itself will come to a point where he, if he feels like, hey, you know, for the best for us, you know, it's time to go. Yeah, and that's a good point, Orlando, because some people they need that explicit message. Like, mm -hmm. but they want it verbally. They want the message how they want it. Mm -hmm. If he ain't called, if he ain't calling you no more, if when you text he ain't responding, <laughs> if he all that, I think he's speaking pretty loud and clear. You know, like, yeah, I'm cool on all of this, right? But you want him to actually say it to your face, and you know, maybe his past aggressive approach is what he deems will keep him the nice guy, like, cause he does, like Orlando said, he don't want to hurt your feelings. And sometimes you, know, you don't want to deal with the results or the reaction because sometimes you could tell a woman it's not going to work out and then we blow up react exactly. overreact so a lot of times i've heard young men say i didn't want to go through what would happen after that right right they just do it through zoom and get it over <laughs> you know what I mean? no I'm just yeah <laughs> <laughs> Orlando, we have been talking about mental health and relationships, particularly COVID-19. I want to keep on over, Ms. Wilson, though, if you got any more questions, because you represent the sisters in this conversation in many ways. Not every sister, but you know, you are the sister in this circle at the moment. Are there any other questions uh, that you have, like for the brothers as it relates to relationships or even like mental health, kind of as we talk about those things? So, I guess a question that I would have, I'm really curious as a woman, and as you said, I'm not representative of all women. Um, I hear a lot of young ladies say, I just want him to be concerned. I want him to care about me and my feelings. And for me, I try to explain to young ladies that you all don't often express yourselves the way that we do. Again, as I said, we're emotional. So we'll cook for you to show we love you. We will give you, as Dr. Webb indicated, sex to show we love you. How do you all show your feelings or your love for a woman? How do you show your heart? 
Mike, go ahead and answer that, Mike. I mean, I do yeah, it. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> oh, at least see this. You see the veteran. <laughs> put uh, the backup quarterback in. Uh, I, 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 I do it through action, you know, because uh, even though I'm a spoken word artist, you know, uh, sometimes I, I fight for words, you know, to come up with it. So just like time, attention, uh, handling something you need handled, uh, just, you know, knowing that, you know, I got you, you know, in, in terms of, you know, uh, your needs, uh, you know, like when you're going through something, you know, ear, you know, or, you know, fixing some, whatever it is. And that's, that's a lot of what was modeled for me by my father, you yeah. know, so that, that's, that's what I know to do. And that's what I do, you know, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. I know for me personally, uh, it took me a while to get here, you know, and I, I you know, we've said on the show before, you know, I, and I'm, I'm proud to say it now. Like I tell you, I'm, I'm a lottery pick. I can, I can hold a franchise now, but it's not because, <laughs> you know, it, it, but it's because I've been cut from some teams. It's because I've, I've, I've sat on some benches, you know, in relationships. I've been the six man in relationships. It's because of all of that that I understand what I understand now. And for me personally, I truly believe like it's not about the dollar amount or anything like that. That's not to say that dollars don't help you create convenience. I believe that. But at the end of the day, if I could get more young men to understand that if you could truly and sincerely, comprehensively, simply support your partner, which means when they, when they need something, if you can simply say, okay, I got it. And, and, and you say it, that when you say it, they literally take it off their plate. You gonna win. Mm-hmm. That's it. You gonna win if if when you say it and you and and your partner can literally take it off of their mental plate. You gonna win. Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what about Mr. Boyd? Yes, let's hear. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for this. Let me get my pen. Hold, Hold on, on the Let me get my pen. Hold on. Uh, there you go. There Hold on. It's my pad. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a, that is a good question, and that that does plague a lot of men. Definitely down through the breeze. I mean, men have a have a uh, most men have a, a little issue in that communication. A lot of men, I would say, I don't want to give a percentage of, but I'd say the majority of the men, when you break down what descriptive of each love language is that most men don't even follow it like that, but they do understand what their love language is and maybe try to appreciate what the love language they would like to provide for the others. Typically most men are built off of the provisions that doc said, you know, and then they like to be having in return, they like to get the affirmation or the appreciation for what they have done. And therefore, then, if that becomes reciprocal, they'll keep on with it. They usually men like to please. Now, this newer generation of men, they seem to be more catered to. And if they have single mothers and things like that, it changes the whole dynamic of where, how they communicate the love and how they communicate that to the, uh, the woman, whoever they feel like. Okay, how do I how do I express love for them? So it, it's kind of what we come into now, like a, a real kind of chasm into the older generation who have appreciation and had more male father figures or male figures in their life. And now some of these new generation guys that are cut from a different cloth. But at the end of the day, though, fundamentally, though, it's still about a certain level of provision because usually men are still territorial. They like they're very possessive. So if you are theirs, they're going to make sure that you are, they're providing and try to make sure you're happy. But that goes along the line of how women communicate that as well. That's true. Because women communicate it so much on material things, Mm -hmm. that's the language that they're going to speak to that woman off of. That's good stuff as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to, because we got just a little more time here, and I wanted to bring us back, because we were talking about mental health, and we were talking about commitment and like people working through issues during like COVID-19 in their relationships. Because Doc, you made a great point about the fact that, you know, people have been in some health relationships that have been working, but now that they're in the house together all the time, and you talk about it too, Ms. Wilson, oh, that's a whole nother thing now. And so it was like, you know, what is the purpose of that relationship? And I think I just heard you say something about, you know, uh, really, you know, to, to be able to move things off of a person's page, you know, to yeah. say, you got it. So during this season that we're in, or just in, in general with mental health and relationships, 
what are some things that you would say are good for maintaining that relationship's health as it relates to the, you know, both partners' mindset and just being able to flow together? First of all, like, we got to understand that relationships is the umbrella. It is not the specific indicator, mm-hmm. right? And what I mean by that is that some people say, yeah, I'm in a relationship, but now you're figuring out that that was a friendship. Now you're figuring out that was a partnership. Now you're finding out, excuse me, like what category or what the specificity of your relationship is, right? Now I had an associationship, uh, you know, now I'm in an entanglement. Uh, now, you know what I mean? All of that's under the relationship umbrella. And uh, what, what the pandemic has done is it's, it's exposed that. It was what it was before we got here. You know what I mean? To, to, to kind of take them from Jay's a little bit. Like it was what it was before it got here. And now you have an opportunity. It's no different. Catch this. It's no different than the epiphany that America is having at this same moment. Mm. Yes, indeed. Right? Because now America's looking at our atmosphere and us as minorities, we're saying racism, it was what it was before we got here. But due to the pandemic, it's boiled away all the fat and all you got is, is the meat left. So you can't escape it and your relationship is no different. Like uh, chaos and, 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 and stress have a tendency to boil away all the pleasantries and just get down to the to meat or the content of the interaction. And so individuals are seeing that, you know, uh, I've been faking it and I never made it. And so this is what I have. I agree with you. Um, I believe that George, we would have reacted differently to George Floyd had we been working and in classes, but for everyone to be held hostage at home Mm-hmm. And to actually see him die, we watched the man die. That's different from me being at work. And someone said, did you see what happened on CNN? I actually had the opportunity for myself to watch that man cry out for his mother, as did each of you. And so it's a different reality when you're at work all day, come home, kiss each other, eat dinner together, maybe, unless you're in front of the TV or with the remote control, and then you go to bed. Now, all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're on top of one another. And so what I'm learning, I'll share this. I'm backing up and I'm working on healing me. What can I do to to be a better friend? What can I do to be a better director of the Women's Center? I can't fix or heal you guys. I can't make you a better man because I'm a woman. So now with young ladies, I can help them to the degree that they allow me, but ultimately mentorship is the key. What are we giving back to our young men and our young women and say, listen, I've been where you are and I did that and that didn't work for me. It may work for you, but have you contemplated or thought about doing this? And I think that we're using up, losing rather, we're losing our young people because we're not talking to them and we're not inputting into them other options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. I can make you smile, I can make you laugh, but I cannot make you happy. Yeah. You, gotta decide, yeah. you gotta decide to do that for yourself. You yeah. got to. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I definitely think this, uh, this pandemic, as, as you guys uh, both alluded to, about uh, what it's doing for oneself. I mean, during this time, it's definitely a challenge that people get to know themselves because they can't be in a, in a good relationship, you know, unless they like what, what, what Lawrence Hill say in the song, you can't get, uh, you can't uh, get, you can't win if you aren't right within, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and in a sense, like I said, during this COVID, it is stretching a lot of people to get to know themselves. When you put yeah. that mat, when you put that mask on and you smell your breath, you realize, okay, I need to get to know myself a little bit better because I didn't know my stuff was smelling like this. You know what I'm saying? You got to tighten up. You, you got to tighten up. You, you never knew that. You never knew. You know? Right. And so, right. And and during that time as well, you got some people who are without jobs, so now they have that provisional piece taken out of where they seem like, okay, I'm losing control. And if yeah. you are with someone in a relationship in which you kind of, you feed off with one another, but this thing is kind of testing yourself and like, okay, how much control do I really have? 
have. And that is when you really get to know yourself and how you can overcome certain adversities and things mm -hmm. like that. And that's what really stretches people. And during that time, especially if you're in a relationship that already has some of the issues, the pillars weren't strong, that's when it gets tested. Mm -hmm. And that's when it comes down to what we've been saying and preaching on the show all, all along is about the compatibility. Compatibility mm -hmm. is off on the front end when these types of adversities, things like that happen, is really going to break down things on the strength of how your relationship is built. And then when you continue to go through these levels and really get to know yourself, though it, it should help strengthen in some cases, yes. but it also destroys in others. And unfortunately, like I said, when you look at these relationships and when you have the other things of dealing with other um, undiscovered mental problems and not going and, and talking those things out, don't have the, the, the release to be able to speak and, and, and really kind of iron out those issues, it, it becomes, you know, like I said, a, a drip, 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 and it turns to a flood. And so the, these relationship things right now are really getting tested. But prayfully, on the other side of these things, okay. we talk about people getting better and doing that, it will make better foundations for better relationships. And some relationships start anew in that, you know, yes, hey, yes. I know my new self. I know my new self. I know you. I see you in this different area. So now let's see how we can build off this through this adversity. Let's celebrate that, too, because yes. that, you know, this, this pandemic has allowed, like you just said, Orlando, individuals finally have the time. Mm -hmm. to sit down and, and have that quality time with their partner. They, they finally had the time to, to have those conversations. you got couples yeah. out here who finally have the time to, to start that joint venture that they've always wanted. They finally mm -hmm. have the time to, to remake their home so mm -hmm. that it actually feels like a home, both inside and out. Like, this pandemic is afforded on both ends of the spectrum. Like, we talked about the downside, but there's an upside to it, too, when, when you're trying Absolutely. to get it right right mm -hmm. the goal is not perfection the goal is progress and so as long as people are trying to make progress and they're doing it in a healthy way and in a in a in a mutual way then generally like again you're gonna win yeah uh good stuff doc and and, and miss wilson and uh, you know mr boy you joined us uh for our <laughs> second segment so i don't know if there's some other stuff that we we want to make get some of those nuggets because you always come in like drop you always got nuggets you always got we want to make sure that we make room for that because miss wilson kind of has been waiting for you to come and get it was almost like a combative thing i was like she yeah. was like, hey <laughs> I, I, listen i i do apologize with with certain things man like i said this was beyond my control unfortunately but i think like i said we'll definitely be one of those topics that we definitely revisit and things like that and so maybe i'll add them back in then all right <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just listen, before you go, talk about uh, how people can find your book and uh, can stay abreast of what you're doing. Because I know uh, over the past uh, month, you've been doing some great things as it relates to like Freedom Riders and Civil Rights Movement. But how can people follow you and find out about what you're doing? So in August, Overcoming You will come out on Amazon, on Kindle, and also Audible. I've been asked to, you know, everybody doesn't like to read. So we will be on Audible as well. And I'm currently working, um, I had scheduled the book signing to be at Thistle, but because uh, the mayor and governor have changed the game from modified back to um, two, we will not have a book signing at Thistle. Um, I'm working with someone else to see, you know, hopefully you all will wear your mask so that I can get this together. But if not, we will have a virtual book signing. So definitely stay tuned for Amazon. Uh, and I have a website. That website is www. That's come on now. www.cnwilson.com. <laughs> and that CN is S E A N N E. Wilson. Yes, Wilson.com. And everything is there. You can buy my t shirt. What? I may even put some masks on there. Maybe I should come up with my own mask. Well, as actually, I do have one. It's just one. But the, oh, and you will see me working with and collaborating with Mr. Orlando Boyd. Yes, that's upcoming. Okay. And I'm okay. also working with. Uh, this. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to know everything now. You want to need to know bases. That's right. There you go. Watch yes. Out. Yes, we're going to be working together. Mine. Yeah. Business. Business is always in order. So I'm excited to work with um, the station, with both stations, 92Q and 101. You will hear some things upcoming. And, uh, you know, just really excited about this. I'll just tell you I'm in my season. Yes, there this is go. my season. And so while the waters are troubled, 
I want to share and help other young ladies and, and just people in general know that you can overcome your own obstacles of depression, anxiety, self-sabotage, procrastination, and you can other, overcome other people who are hindering you or in your way. Just go around them. You don't have to deal with everybody. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Right. Say that again, Mike. Do you have any final thoughts uh, before we close? Hey, man, I, you ain't finna get me to follow up that act. I'll say it right there. That's right. That's right. That's I saw right. your mask on, so I didn't know that meant it was over. You? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, Orlando? Anything you want to say about just about mental health during the season? Uh, one of our topics we talked about was commitment as well, uh, learning how to be more committed. Committed. But is there anything you'd like to share before we go ahead and sign up? No, I, I think this. I think this hits home. It's a. It's a subject that is really getting a lot of attention right through here now. And uh, I know Miss Wilson's book will definitely be a blessing to so many people to reach out to it. It's getting a lot of conversation that understanding about mental health. And so when it comes to relationships, and we're doing our part with that, hopefully and prayerfully, it'll be something that adds another tool to that uh, to be able to overcome those issues and have a better relationship, better compatibility, and all those good things like that. So. Um, yeah. Like I said, as Doc always, we always say he gives those prescriptions with his lips. Hey. And, uh, we go. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> I definitely so want to thank do. each of you for allowing me to be a part of this. I've had so much fun, and I think this is going to be a blessing to others to hear yeah. us to being transparent and having relevant conversations for the time. Oh, we appreciate. Let it. me say this: in, in, a, in a world where, where we've had so many lose their life because they can't breathe, take the time mm. to breathe. That's good. Absolutely. That's good. Yep. That's good. Yep. Yep. Uh, CN, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to stay in tune with us and with our content, you can catch us at Man Breed Live on Facebook or Man Breed on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to our next conversation. Uh, you've been listening to Man Breed Live, where we believe that to understand a man is to acknowledge all.